my dear Dr. Jacob. Welcome to Bacon Cell Park. They do move in herds. Ah, <laughs> uh, what choice? Who's Doctor Settler in this case? That was Doctor Jacob. Okay. It's actually the syllables worked. Believe oh, it or yeah? not. Yeah. Oh, wow. it's, it's Doctor Grant. So I'm Doctor Grant. Doctor Settler. Yeah. Yay. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Make It everyone. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And Jacob. We'd like to thank you for listening uh, to our fourth installment of the Disney Villain Bracket. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> you didn't ask for it, but we gave it to you anyway. It's a bonus round. <laughs> that might make people more upset than the Doctor Who announcement. It's very possible. <laughs> uh, no, we're not talking about that. But first of all, I just want to thank you for listening. And please share this podcast with your friends. Rate us and review us on iTunes. It gives us more visibility. And you get to share the joy of Bacon Sale. I'm just saying it's to the point where our listener is like listening to every show, but you need to tell your friend. We need a friend of the show as well. Yeah. So if, if someone's in the car, like for example, Jacob, every time he's in the car, he's like, look at my fancy new uh, hydrogen fueled car. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, bacon cell just turned on. <laughs> yeah, and he'll be like, look what it can do. And he's like, hey, turn on a podcast and bacon cell comes up. Like it's all magic or it something. It is magic. It is magic. So, so do that with your friends. Well, and I've had some people say, I don't have time to listen to an hour long podcast. And I'm like, this is great. Like yard work. Uh, yes. Listen to while you're doing yard work or housework or in the background while you're working. It's a great podcast to kind of, you know, just enjoy. And generally people want to turn us off after six minutes anyway. So yeah. do yeah. that. It's a great commute podcast. You can listen to us in small doses. Yes. So and we're best in small doses. All right, so, guys. Speaking of small doses, what are we talking about today, Jacob? I'm not sure it's small dose, but it's going to be a single episode. So <laughs> does that count we, for a small dose? We promise. If yeah. it doesn't count, if it's not three Don't episodes long, you can't it's, keep, Ken. It's not big. All right, so we're going to talk about Steven Spielberg today, today guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jake did my thing. On the brain. Yeah. On the brain. Jake, Jake, did, Jake did. did my thing. Oh, gosh. Steven, so, just Steven Spielberg in general? or Well, since the BFG came out, we decided that this is a good time to do a top Steven Spielberg movies countdown list from 10 yeah and we know that the bfg came out a while ago yes we actually saw it a while before that but the performance of the bfg has been less than stellar so yeah. we thought this was a good time to talk about does steven spielberg still have it right and, like and what he, has been stellar like he's an a-list director obviously oh yeah one of the biggest but is he is he not the draw that he was that's what people are saying. I mean, if you want to go into detail in the BFG, let's just jump in right into that. Okay, so BFG, it costs about $138 million to make, and that's not including marketing, which is de- generally double that. Yeah. It made, just in the U.S., I don't know about um, globally, right. but $23 million its first weekend, and that was the 4th of July weekend. Yeah, not which great. should be a big weekend. Especially being a family movie, and I say family kind of not really knowing if that's what it was meant to be. Because it has like a five minute fart scene. It's just weird, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the three of us saw. It. We didn't. We decided not to a bacon bit on it because honestly, we didn't really think you would care. Well, and I don't think a lot of people do. Yeah, I mean, even looking, I'm looking at the box office mojo right now, just looking at the numbers, and worldwide, thirty seven point one million million worldwide, so far. Not good. It opened, you know, it opened only a couple weeks ago, but it's definitely one of the smaller openings he's had. Uh, excuse me, one of the least. I can't even talk. (laughs) It's not a lot of money. It was a big opening. Like it's over 3,000 theaters, which is one of his biggest openings. Yes. But one of the least for a wider dollar amount. Yes. Honestly, I don't feel like they promoted it a lot, though. No, they didn't. In fact, I think Disney is kind of, you know, stepping over themselves because they have so many releases this year already that it's like every two weeks or every three weeks, there's a big Disney release like Jungle Book. And then there's Civil War. And then Finding Dory was two weeks ago before BFG. Mm -hmm. Finding Dory is still like number one. Is Tarzan Disney? Uh, no, own, it's not. They don't own it. Eventually, they'll make their own Tarzan. They're doing live <laughs> action everything. It. Yeah. But I was as actually... As long as Phil Collins says the music, it'll be in my heart. <laughs> no. <laughs> You'll be in my heart. Are you kidding me? You don't like that soundtrack? We've talked about this before. The I movie, really don't care about the soundtrack. The movie is subpar, but the soundtrack is great. <laughs> no, it no, is. He really dislikes it. Like, I've heard him talk about this. Yeah, I don't, I don't does, care what for does it at all. Dislike? Name one thing you just don't dislike. Batman versus Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate Edition, go get it on the 19th. Back to Spielberg. But I actually thought it was kind of strange that he was partnered up with Disney on this one mm-hmm. because he'd made such an effort. Yes, he has kind of let them produce his movies. Right. But he'd done Amblin, like Amblin Entertainment. Right. Which was its own thing. And then he started DreamWorks, which was eventually sold to numerous other parties. Right. Because DreamWorks was meant to be the anti-Disney. But now DreamWorks is kind of Disney. Yeah. Like Disney owns everything. And I think he kind of found himself working with them again. And I think he got shafted 
by the, the release date. Well, you know what's weird to me? And this is something I just noticed in my, in my research, because I, d- I did Joel levels of research on this. You did? Of, co- of yeah. course. I just went and looked, and the guy really hasn't taken many breaks in his lifetime. He like, really hasn't. Honestly, it? it's almost every single year he comes out with a big movie, and some years, like, uh, let me look here, 1989, 1993, 2002, 2005, and 2011, he released two movies in one year directed that he directed. This is not including anything he produced. And I wonder if it's gotten to the point where it's kind of fatigue. Like, he's not able to give the same amount of quality he used to. I agree. In doing your research, I'm sure you found stories of, like, when he was working on, I think it was E.T. First. It's actually called E.T. Phone Home. (laughs) Oh, it's not E.T. First? That was the the prequel? (laughs) Yeah, E.T. First. (laughs) E.T. Begins. No, he's working on E.T. Beware of your surroundings. And, or, Coming in 2018. Or, yeah. Or maybe it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, but in between those two movies, he was writing and planning the next movie, mm-hmm. whichever one of those, right. vice versa, and talking to Harrison Ford about it. I think he had a hand in those movies, whereas now I think it's like, cool, I'll do this. Everyone loves the BFG if they've read it. I'll make that movie. Well, and I feel like, and this is just kind of my take on the whole situation, because uh, he did take a hiatus between 1994 and 1996. Two years. Two years? (laughs) And most directors, that's like regular. But he did take a hiatus to to focus on his family, create DreamWorks. And he came back with a different focus, where before it was like blockbusters and things like that. And not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. He switched towards human uh, humanistic issues. I'm looking at it. Just I pulled up the list so I could have it. So Schindler's was 93. He took his hiatus. He came back with The Lost World and Amistad and then Saving Private Ryan uh, after that. So it just, he started to go, and I feel like it's just because he's making movies for the, it sounds weird, but the age he is, when he was a young director, he was making young movies, and then he became more mature, and he's making, you know, more adult movies, and now I feel like he's in the grandpa phase. Well, that's why, like Lincoln, I mean, that's grandpa movie if there ever was one, right? And BFG for the grandkids. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and Bridge of Spies is like the movie that you, it's, it's like true. born for grandpas. My my, <laughs> <laughs> my father-in-law actually loves a lot of his later movies, and I think it's because that's who he's appealing to. Whereas so. people are going to find out with our lists what kind of Spielberg we like. We I, like, generally, I'm going to say, I'm going to jump right to it, the nostalgia effect. Oh, totally. It, it, because it really called to us when we were kids. Yeah. Even now, if he we basically saw these has movies. a patent on nostalgia, doesn't he? Oh, man. The guy, so. the guy is really yeah. good at nostalgia, at emotion, at character development. The guy can make you feel emotions. But he's good at that. You know, before we move on from BFG, what's a quick review from you guys? Just like a, a grade. Great movie to fall asleep to. Yeah. <laughs> and put your, you put your kids to sleep to. It's beautiful. The music is soothing. It's not alarming. Uh, and so I think it's a very calm movie. I actually, I think I gave it like a two and a half or a three stars because I was like, it was fine. I think two and a half sounds right. I give it a C. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's middle of the road. It was dry. There was magic eventually near the end. But by that point, the BFG met with the queen. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even care what's happening in this movie anymore. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? But if you love fart jokes, go watch it. <laughs> that's that's a great, that should be on the tagline on the it, it honestly could have been any director. I don't think Spielberg should have even. No, it, it, did, it didn't feel like a Spielberg. Except with the exception of the BFG character who was good. And you did feel emotion for him. Yes. So I thought that was good. But honestly, I mean, he is the highest grossing director in history. His directed films exceed 9 billion worldwide. This guy, he, he is a household name. Like he's never going to, I don't think he's ever going to become disgraced, but I feel like he's kind of, uh, what would you say? Like his track record is like 50, 50, 50, great 50. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, mean, I mean, even his bad ones. Even his bad ones aren't even close to like the D range. Right. Yeah. They're somewhere in no, the C range. No, exactly. And, and exactly. these good ones are among the best movies ever made. Yes. Like that's the thing is when we had to pick our top 10 list, I was like, these are all good. Like even my number 10, I like, but it's still it, like, it's like number 10, but it's still good. Yeah. Like, it's better than most movies out there. I, I think 70% of his movies are good. I'd give him a 70% overall for I'm, his. I'm I think good with that. He's directed 50 movies. He's produced so many more, but we're going to focus on directing today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the number 10. Joel, you want to go first? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't know I if you really do. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just, I was scrolling up through these other notes. I'm like, is there anything else generically I want to talk to him about? But no, let's just go to it. So for my number 10, I picked one of his lesser knowns. And it's because it's one that I personally like, even though it's not considered one of his greats. You're playing hipster right now. A little bit. Okay. In, in is fact, there a hipster Spielberg though? It's, it's one of his lowest. Duel, uh, probably. Yeah. Well, I still need to watch that. It's actually really good. But it didn't make my list. It's honorable mention. But the duel did, my, did not make my list because it got bumped out by 1989's Always. What? Yes. I've, I've looked at several lists over the past few days, and this is always near the bottom. Yeah. 
But I, I just enjoy it. For those of you who don't know, Always is a story of a firefighter pilot, the guys who do those drops over forest fires and things like that, who dies, and he ends up coming back to life and having to kind of be a ghost guide for this younger pilot. And Holly Hunter's in it, Richard Dreyfus is in it, John Goodman's in it. That crap sounds weird. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> But it's actually a, it's a remake. Uh, the movie's a remake of one of uh, Steven Spielberg's favorite movies. Heaven Can Wait? Uh, no, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that movie. <laughs> it's, it's a 1943, so you probably saw it, Jacob, romantic drama, a guy named Joe. And he's about a fighter pilot, but they switched it for this movie. Me, Joe Black? Also, this is the last uh, role that Aubrey, Aubrey Hepburn appeared in. She was a, a kind of a, an angel that helped the guy find his way. And it's probably worth watching right there. Well, yeah, but it was one of the Steven Spielberg said uh, it was one of the films that inspired him to become a movie director. In fact, him and Richard Dreyfuss bonded over it while they were filming Jaws together. And they ended up creating it with Richard Dreyfuss in the lead role because they loved that movie so much. It's a heartwarming hmm. movie. It's one movie that I have watched multiple times and I enjoy. I understand it's not one of his greats, but. It's one of my favorites, which we should clarify. So do you this, recommend us watching it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we, we should we should clarify. Yeah. These are these are not his top 10 best. These, these are, are our top 10 favorites. Can I ask the golden question? Yes. Did you cry? Or have you cried in Always? What movie don't I cry in? <laughs> uh, I, can, I can name a few. BFG. Um, <laughs> Independence Day 2. He did cry in Ninja Turtles 2. Oh, did he cry in that? Yeah, but it was for Secret, different reasons. Secret of the Ooze. Yes. Um, no, but this one, it, it is an emotional movie, and it's a funny movie, and there's some very touching parts. And yes, I cried. Of course I cried. In fact, well, no, I didn't cry in all of these movies, but probably most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg's good. He's good He's at good. tugging he the heartstrings. Well, I mean, you, it's generally, I mean, we have to say, yeah. Spielberg working with John Williams, like that's all you need for crying. Which they've only, oh, I have that note. John Williams and Steven Spielberg, that's yes. what we're talking about, <laughs> have worked on all, have worked together on all his films uh, since the Sugarland Express, with the expe- exception of Bridges Spies, Color Purple, and you know, the part he directed in Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, Everything okay. else, it's John Williams. That's actually my number one, is his part in Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, that movie. <laughs> that movie has issues. Can we just go back to this weird time when Richard Dreyfus was a leading man? Yeah, like, that was what, a long time ago. What time of Hollywood was that? It just, was the 70s and 80s, man. I think it was all because of Steven Spielberg here. It was. It well, was like Close Encounters. And, you know, well, always. apparently, like, he took the role in Jaws, Richard Dreyfuss did, because he was worried about this other movie he just was in and thought it was going to be a flop. And so he got into Jaws so that he wouldn't, so that people would still want to hire him after that, before the one, yeah, came out. Does that make sense? I don't know if it did. Sort of. Moving on to Ken's number 10. <laughs> My number 10 is Saving Private Ryan from 1998. Nine, that's your 10th? 10th favorite movie. Why do, you, why do you hate America? Yeah, wow. So, and, and war. Don't you know they died there, Kent? Oh. I do hate war, actually. Oh. Funny enough. Mm. <laughs> is that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Saving Private Ryan, as many people have said, is probably one of the most realistic war movies. Especially the, the intro scene is un- Forgettable, amazing, and and heartbreaking. Yes, like that. That the, honestly, that opening scene is hard for me to watch because it feels so real. I just watch that in the morning, like right after breakfast, just to get me going for the day. <laughs> that <laughs> makes so much that sense. Sounds, sounds you crazy sociopath! What's going on? Uh, I haven't seen that in years. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's right. on like your YouTube playlist. <laughs> Let me pull it. Where's up right my now. arm? But that movie Where's is my face. It's very realistic, and if if anyone hasn't seen it, it it's the story of D Day. It's World War Two. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks leads this crew, whatever. He's the he's the general, and they're going to save Private Ryan, who is the only surviving brother of this family. And Matt the rule was Damon. Matt Damon. And Matt Damon at this time was very young. In fact, Spielberg wanted an unknown, and he's he'd seen Matt Damon in another movie, and he's right. like. Yeah, I want that kid. He seen him in the Bourne franchise and was like, yeah. That and, unknown. <laughs> and actually, like, Robin Williams was like, hey, you should, I, I'm working on a movie called Goodwill Hunting with Matt Damon. You should cast this kid. And Spielberg, we're going to forget Spielberg's name like a hundred times in this I show. I know. Spielberg, yes. he loved Robin Williams. Stevie from now on. Stevie? Yeah, Stevie. Stevie. Oh, Stevie. That, that's a rule. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> so Stevie, Stevie and Robin Williams, they're good go. friends. And he's like, yeah, I'll work with this kid because he's going to be un- unknown when Saving Private Ryan comes out. Little did he know... Matt Damon <laughs> would win an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, and he'd be huge like overnight. And oh, so yeah. it kind of worked against him. Yeah, that's why I deserve the Best Picture win, Kent. Oh wait, oh wait, that got snubbed for Shakespeare, Shakespeare in, in love. love. No, this movie was the deserving one. Which can I, can I bring up something real quick? It's yeah. just since we're on the subject of Academy Awards, so Steven Spielberg—that's his name, Stevie—has been nominated for seven Academy Awards for Best Director. 
He's won two, which on Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, which that was one of the few times Best Director won without winning Best Picture. Okay. And then 10 of the films he's directed, Jaws, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Color Purple, Saving Private Ryan, Munich, War Horse, Lincoln, and Bridge of Spies were up for the Best Picture Oscar, but only Schindler's List has won. Oh, really? So 10 nominees for Best Picture, 7 nominees for Best Director. That's a pretty good sign. Yeah. But he's only won... A handful of times. That's crazy. Kind of interesting. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. So basically, the reason I don't love this one as much, I mean, it's still number 10 in yeah. a pantheon of great movies, is that it's so heavy. You think I love drama and everything. Mm-hmm. I like my war movies to kind of be character-driven instead of just straight realistic. Like, I need, give me Braveheart. Give me Kingdom of Heaven any day okay. over Saving Private Ryan. I need some dramatization. So you don't like America movies. stories. You like Scottish and uh, English stories. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty messed up, kid. <laughs> Uh, and the Patriot. I was going to say the Patriot. No, that you don't. You just added that in last Too late. Skin hates America. Terrible. Your turn, Joel. Number nine. Number nine. I'm going with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> I'm well, hold on, hold on. Like there's a I joke think you coming. mispronounced Last Crusade. No. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And people always downplay this one, but from the nightclub scene at the beginning to the adventures in the jungles, this is a very exciting movie. And it is like those classic serials they were trying to go for. Is it culturally sensitive? No. Is it accurate? No. But it's a fun and entertaining movie, and it terrified me as a kid. It's so scary. If you don't have the other two Indiana Jones movies. There's more than Nay, one. three Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm on this list, I'm going to be a little upset. No, th- th- this is... You mean this didn't make your list, kid? <laughs> oh, we'll see. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, so this movie, uh, it it's a good movie. I really enjoy it. Can you and tell me what's, what it's about? Yes, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom is actually a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I did not realize as a kid. How weird. Don't, didn't even know. But they moved it as a prequel because George Lucas decided he didn't want to have the Nazis be the villain again. So he he put it before that with a different girl and all that. This is actually, and it's a movie about Indiana Jones trying to find these stones to help out, these magical stones to help out a village. There's also the famous heart ripping out scene where they pull a man's still beating heart from his chest. Kalima. Which Steven Spielberg, uh, or was it George Lucas? No, I can't remember. But one of them said it was kind of representative of their divorce. It was how they were feeling. They were in a very dark place and that's why they went there. Wow. I know, but uh, this this movie they were and, both they were divorcing each other. Uh, yes, they were they were married for a time. <laughs> they had a thing. Yeah, they truly did though. What? <laughs> well, I mean, not like that thing, but no, they what? they had a friendship. Uh, if you're listening, Mr. Lucas or Mr. Spielberg, please don't sue us for that libel right there. Um, <laughs> or yeah, slander. Is that libel? It's slander. Know. But uh, this movie actually was very violent, and also Gremlins, which came out the same year, 1984, was also very violent, and they did not have they only had PG and R. So these movies, Gremlins, which was produced by Spielberg, and this one, Temple of Doom, were the reason the PG thirteen movie was cre- PG thirteen rating was created. So they really? both got PG. They both got PG, and people said that's not good enough. And so then they created PG thirteen. And actually, three months after this was this was uh, Temple of Doom was released, Red Dawn was the first PG thirteen movie to ever be released. What? Fun so. fact. This is a fun fact show. Fun like fact that. show. So, yeah. Now number nine, Red so Dawn Temple for the of Doom. The, the, the reason that movie doesn't work for me is that I think Indiana Jones works best when he's around religious artifacts. When it's built around you biblical stuff. You don't stuff. find the Hinduism as a religious, uh, that they have artifacts? You don't find I, that? It's basically it a child has to be slave Christianity. trade. <laughs> Christianity is the only religious artifacts you care about, Kent? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's how, what works best for Indy, all right? <laughs> Unless he, he's finding crystal skulls. Yeah, that was weird. But we're not right? gonna, we're not even going to talk about that movie. Are we even going to reference that movie? We just I did. just we did. just did. No, but Temple of Doom. It is fun. If you don't remember, if you only remember the heart ripping out and the monkey brains and the baby snakes part, give it another shot. And just I mean, the nightclub scene alone at the beginning is so much fun, and I, I really enjoy it. That's why it's my number nine. They call him Doctor Jones, doll. <laughs> Doctor Jones. <laughs> All right, kid. that's a strange choice. I All know. Right. I like. I'm, I'm mystified. I genuine genuinely am. My number eight is E. T. The Extraterrestrial. That's a good one. 1982. Thank you. Thank you for being very complimentary. Well, I figure we should make up after the last couple episodes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was kind of the plan going in. Is like, let's just have a show where we could just like be nice to each other. You guys look really nice today, by the way. Did I tell you that? Thank you. Yeah. I'm wearing my bacon cell t-shirt. So, yeah. Joel, how are you feeling about Jacob today? I, I like him. I think he's a nice guy. Yeah. He offered yeah. me pizza, so it makes me happy. Yeah, so he's not a moron? No. <laughs> I, I would never say anything like that. Yeah. By, by the way, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, lest you wonder... It actually got an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, with over... What's Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, shush. I'm not going to apologize every time I bring up Rotten Tomatoes. It's a legitimate <laughs> forum for critical opinion. <laughs> but <laughs> it, also, sure that is. it also made over $179 million domestically. 
This so. is Temple of Doom? This is Temple of Doom. Is that more than Raiders, do you know? Uh, $248 million for okay. Raiders Lost Ark. Domestically. This is all just domestic. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, so E.T., we all, I mean, I hope we've all seen E.T. as a kid, right? I mean, yeah. remember when uh, actual TV used to play movies all the time? Yeah. This is basically how I saw that movie maybe four or five times yeah. in my childhood. You know what your favorite part was, right? Riding the bike. The corn scene. When he opens up the corn and then E.T. goes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's and every true. kid in America wet their pants. <laughs> that was what was going on with Which, that. Which I'm not kidding. I am showing this to my children tonight for pizza movie. Are you really? I really? Am. Yay. <laughs> my two, my three-year-old is going to freak out. So some fun facts about this one. Most of the puppetry was done by a two foot, 10 inch tall stuntman. Yes. The kitchen scene. The yes. infamous kitchen scene was done by a 12-year-old born without legs, but he was great at walking on his hands. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's pretty cool, like, what they were that able to cool. do with this yeah. movie. Um, also, Steven Spielberg said that, Stevie. or Stevie, Stevie <laughs> said, E.T. is not male or female. It's a plant-like creature. He's plant? Yeah. He's a plant? Apparently. Plant-like. Obviously. What plants have glowing hearts? <laughs> that's an androgynous alien if I've ever seen one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because it's got this weird old pudge down there. Uh, <laughs> Not really sure what's going on. <laughs> but, oh, so E.T., this is where Drew Barrymore got famous. Yes. And Henry Thomas didn't. Right. <laughs> oh. Why is that? How did that work out? I don't know. He's been in movies since then, like he Legends of the Fall and stuff yeah. like that. But anyways, it's it's a great movie for kids because, and actually, this movie was mostly filmed from a child's point of view. Mm-hmm. Which right. is so, so cool. Which Spielberg actually does a lot. He, d- he does kind of the childhood angle. He likes yes. the viewpoint of the child, and so he'll use the lower angles. And other than the kid's mom, Mary, no adults are seen until like the last 30 minutes when the... Uh, secure- With their guns and their CGI walkie-talkies? Right. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. When, when they re-released it... They CGI were, walkie-talkies? Well, they had guns in their hands in the original 1982 release. And then when they re-released it, like a 20th anniversary, they, C- they did a CGI replacement and turned the guns into walkie-talkies. And Spielberg has come out and said, I'll never do that again. He says, watch the 82 version. That was a dumb idea. Yeah. I wish Lucas would do the same thing. You'd think he would. Go back and change. Yeah. Special edition. So that's your eight? Yeah, it's my eight. Uh, it's it's a great movie for kids. It's full of wonder. I'm excited for you to show your kids. Yeah. No, I'll let you know uh, how, many, how many times I wake up tonight with their nightmares. All right, Joel. My number eight. Yeah. My number eight is Saving Private Ryan from 1998. $216 million at the box office, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is like up... In the sense of the first... What? No, 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 listen. The opening scene <laughs> In is, every way. No. <laughs> the opening scene is amazing and the most memorable part of the movie. Everything after that, it's good. It's solid. Agreed. But it's not as good as that opening section because that opening section is terrifying. And I, I do really think that this... Uh, this really should have won the best picture that year. I did Easily. like uh, Life is Beautiful. I thought it was a wonderful movie. But same I, year? I believe it was the same year, wasn't it? I think it was the year after. I think Life is Beautiful is the next year. It might have been after. You might be right. But yeah, it was just what I was thinking about World War II movies, I guess. (laughs) But uh, so this movie actually was very, very realistic. They had, you know, people on set kind of leading them on to where they needed to go and what they needed to do. And they tried to stick. Obviously, it took some liberties because it's a movie and they have to do dramatic effect. But they said that uh, the film was so realistic that combat veterans of D-Day in Vietnam had to leave theaters rather than finish watching the opening scenes because it started to produce post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. Like, this was a very hard movie to watch for them, but also a lot of them came out and said, this this was what it was like. And I think that's a tribute to Steven Spielberg and his filmmaking. I think it's a tribute to all the actors and special effects and stunt people involved. Well done. Yep. Very number cool. eight. It's one of those movies that when the credits roll, the screen goes black, you're in a theater, they kind of just let sit and they keep the, the lights off. Right. So people can cry a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so was also oh, a little man. awkward when you're, you know. Kind of like the end of Temple of Doom. with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the end of Temple of Doom. Or right. when you're 17 seeing this movie and like, I don't really understand this kind of stuff yet. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool, I guess. <laughs> uh, Temple of Doom, I'm assuming, num- number eight. From 1993, welcome to Schindler's it's, List. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> 93 was a good year for Spielberg with both Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. So I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, so Schindler's List, 1993. This movie is so heavy and so taxing. I almost didn't put it on my list mm-hmm. because it's not a movie that you, you ever want to revisit. No, if I, ever. Can I tell you the story? Of, that makes it kind of hard to be a favorite, doesn't it? It does. I mean, there, but there are certain movies that I have like 
there will be blood that I've only seen once, but I hold it in very high regard. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm never wanting to go back because it's such a grueling experience. It is a point of order. I was right. It was the same year as Life is Beautiful. Boom. There you go. <laughs> now go back to your Schindler's Yank. List, Doc. Were you going to say something? Well, no, I was going to say something about Schindler's List is I made the mistake of one day. I, I was having a really rough day. I was in college. It was a rough day. I was having a bad day. And I'm like, I just need to just chill and relax. Let me throw on. I haven't seen Schindler's List. Let me oh, watch that. What? Chill and relax. Never watch Schindler's List when you're depressed. Because I got done and I'm like, world is terrible. I hate this place. But man, that movie rips rips your guts out. And I I always say right now, that's not on my list. Really? It it made honorable mention because I watched it that time and I've had a hard time ever watching it again because it was so heart-wrenching. Which is both a tribute to it, but it's not when I can just pop in and be like, hey kids, let's watch Schindler's List tonight. See that that's interesting because you, you haven't shown it to your kids yet. Well, not yet. I do. <laughs> that's think, next week for people. You know, we, here we are talking four. about favorites. I do think this is considered his best. It, I think it's this the best. It's the only best peak, picture winner. The peak Spielberg movie film, even. Yeah, I, I think be. so. I really think it is the only best picture winner in the list here. That's so strange. Well, in, in, of, of, he's a little bit like Scorsese that way. Yeah, where you know, nominated like, so many times, and it's like the Academy's like, oh, he's too mainstream, but he yeah. makes a darn good film. So. This was a great year, like you said, for Spielberg. Uh, so basically, he was he filmed Jurassic Park, and he actually knew both of these films were basically on deck for him. Right. And he's like, I could do Schindler's List and then Jurassic Park. And he said, I have to do Jurassic Park first because I yeah. will be so drained after Schindler's List that I won't want to make another movie. Which was a good call. Yes. And so uh, Jurassic Park came out in the summertime as a blockbuster. Yes. Schindler's List came out in November or December. Yeah, so right yeah. around Oscar time. And yeah. this this was probably perfect for... Stevie. Stevie. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to get there. (laughs) Yeah, you'll get there. Basically, every night after he'd film, he'd have Robin Williams, like, film sketches for him. He would have him film personalized stand-up acts just for Stevie because he just needed to laugh. It makes sense. And then he'd just watch Seinfeld. What? No, seriously, every is night. Is this he, real? Yeah, this is real. real. You, you got to have some sort IMDb, of escape. He's, he's like, I needed to watch Seinfeld well, I mean, every as, night. As, I mean, he's, he's a Jewish, uh, member of the Jewish faith. And yes. He, this is very near and dear to his heart. Like, this is not something. And it's funny because there have been some Holocaust survivors and other people who've criticized him for making it kitsch, for making it too mainstream, for wow. trivializing for trivializing the Holocaust. When in reality, the major, the vast majority of people say this shows the horrors that happened there, and this is a very important thing. I would say this movie pulls no punches. I no. mean, yes, they could have shown people in gas chambers or whatever, but, but I mean, you see naked, just skinny, just, mm-hmm. I mean, people walking around, and it's not like the camera pulls away or anything. You see the ugliness of this. Oh, it's terrible. And, and Ray Fiennes, actually, there's a story of a Holocaust survivor who met Ray Fiennes on set. Ray Fiennes, Voldemort. And, and, she, and Ray Fiennes, one of the scariest men on, men on the planet, <laughs> and she basically started crying because he was so close to his... That that person, Amon yeah. Amon Geth, that's it's pronounced Stevie. Stevie. <laughs> so just trying to keep it light, folks. It's getting heavy. He's in here. one of the worst villains, I think, in film history, and it's really hard to say that because this movie feels so realistic, and it truly does. It really does. It, it feels like a documentary. I mean, the black and white works for it with the red coat. Ugh. Oh god, the end is damaging. This was, I mean, Liam Neeson. This is the role that was just made for him. Yeah. And actually, there are a few people that turned down this role, like Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, people know me as Han Solo and Indiana Jones. They're not going to yeah. believe me. Will Smith. <laughs> Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I could have said more. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, man. It feels a reverend to yeah. joke around about this movie. <laughs> yeah, can we joke about Schindler's List? Do you think, do you think Stevie was watching the Seinfeld episode where he makes out to Schindler's List? That was uh, English Patient. Oh, and English. yes, I think he knew he wanted to make that same kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's a good choice. And is it one of his best? Yes. Is it one of my favorites? No, it didn't I make think my it's list. his best movie. Right. And no, it's well, near it the bottom one of, of his my best, favorites. Yes. I know. Okay. What? what? We'll oh, okay. Get there. You're getting there. We'll get okay. There. All right. All right. So, what number seven? We're on for number, you? Seven. number seven. My number seven is the highest grossing Steven Spielberg movie adjusted for inflation and the highest rated on Rotten Tomatoes with a 98%. Okay. Hold on. E.T.? E.T., okay. E.T., which that that blew me away that if you adjust adjust ticket price, uh, adjust for ticket price inflation, E.T. is still his number one grossing. It is probably his most successful film, both critically and commercially. Uh, Now, the thing is, I actually, I found this out, that the film is based on an imaginary friend that Stilberg created when his parents got divorced back in 1960. Made out of plants? Well, no, he created kind of an alien Mm -hmm. friend and things like that. And so that was kind of how this all started was way back then. And this was the highest grossing film of all time until Star Wars unseated it a couple years later. So apparently Stilberg and Lucas have kind of a 
rivalry. A friendly rivalry. A friendly rivalry. They, hey, they had a thing. Remember? Now, you mentioned you mentioned the kid that was in <laughs> yeah. the suit. Did you did you learn anything about their no. voice? By the way, uh, the the voice work for ET was performed by a woman named Pat Welsh, who smoked two packets of cigarettes a, a day, which gave her voice a quality that sound effects the sound effects uh, guy liked. She spent nine and a half hours recording her part and was paid, paid $380 for her services. $380? <laughs> that's it. Did you get any good Reese's, like free Reese's Pieces for life? Well, that's the funny thing is like apparently the uh, Mars company, they thought E.T. was too ugly and too scary. So they refused to allow M&Ms in the film. So then they went to the Hershey company and said, can we use Reese's Pieces? And they did. And profits for the Hershey company for Reese's Pieces rose 65% that year because of that movie. Why did they need some bite-sized treats in that movie? Was that know. like a thing? Stevie's like, <laughs> I need things that will melt in your mouth, not in your hands. No. Reese's well, Pieces are good, too. And it's honestly, like, you know, M&Ms are probably more popular, but Reese's Pieces, they got such a boost from that and good on them. This yeah. movie is emotional. It, it gets me every time. It's, it's a boy finding a friend. It's that whole relationship. Aww. <laughs> the dad, don't reach out to me like I'm crying. If you can explain what just happened. Uh, he reached can, out to me can, to comfort me, and I slapped his hand away. Yes, that's that's exactly what But happened. this this is a really well-done movie, and from the music, the music is so stirring, and the movie is great. And I'm really looking forward to watching it tonight with my kids and hoping to capture that same magic. So E.T. is my number seven. Nice. Cool. Good choice. My number seven, I don't think you're going to have this on the list. This may be my hipster choice. Okay. AI. No, I'm just kidding. It's not AI. I'm I'll not throw do something at you. Yeah. Whoa, take it easy. Take it easy. It's actually from 2011, and it's not Warhorse. It's The Adventures of Tintin. Really? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so what did Adventures of Tintin outrank? Schindler's List. Wow. Saving Private Ryan. Are you kidding me? And E.T. You're... <laughs> <laughs> what Temple of this Doom? Is favorite. Yeah, yeah, Temple of I'm Doom. I'm not putting Adventures of Tintin above any of these choices so far. And yeah. Temple of Doom was near the bottom of my list, if you remember. But still. It's still a good movie. And a better movie than Adventures of Tintin. But go on with your little tripe movie. Wow. That was demeaning. <laughs> yeah, it was. I it thought we were being nice to each other we on are. this show. No, I, and Tintin I thought was fine, but I didn't think it would make a top 10 on anyone's list. Well, it's weird. I mean, Stevie, he grew up loving Tintin. And he loved the books. The, the canine cop? <laughs> Rin, Rin Tintin. Tintin. Yeah. <laughs> So he actually got the books. Uh, his parents gave the books to him when he was a kid, but he couldn't actually read them. He just looked at the art because they were all in French because uh-huh. it's such a European series right. that he just kind of like, I really like the art. And he grew up just loving this character and Snowy the dog. Right. It came out of nowhere for me. I had no expectations at all. I didn't even really know what Tintin was. I'm floored that this is so high on your list. It It's somehow, it's it's a movie I own. It's a movie that I've watched probably every two years, Are maybe every year. I think it's so much fun. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> Thanks for giving me that opportunity. Yeah. I think it's the energy alone in this movie. It like matches the adventure and fun of Indiana Jones. Mm. Granted, it's animated, so it feels different, but. Well, it's the awkward animation, too. The almost live action, but not quite live yeah, action. Yeah, yeah, right. That's called. But this, the chase scene when they're in like Istanbul and they're coming that down awesome. in the water. Not well, Constantinople. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. But it's like 15 minutes of sheer, just like my eyes were like, and granted, it's animated. Right. But I'm like, Oh my word! I can't believe how much fun I'm having watching this that scene. So no, that chase scene is awesome. No, honestly, I I I put Tintin on the same level as BFG, where I'm like, it was fine. Oh really? Yeah, but I, I really maybe I need to watch it, it, it again. Tr- it struck a chord with me. I don't know what it is. I huh. maybe you wouldn't watch it with your kids because there's so much reference to alcoholism. No, well, most of my the- kids are alcoholics. <laughs> so soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's so it's a little bit more mature. It's a little more adult. It's I mean, there's gunplay all over the place. I'm not sure what market he was going for with this, mm-hmm. but it hit me. Uh, and it's also interesting because he wanted to make this live action, and he's mm-hmm. wanted to do this movie for like 10, 15 years previous. Right. And Peter Jackson's like, if you do it live action, like, yeah, you're going to do a good job, but like the it wouldn't the energy level and the ridiculousness of the plots mm-hmm. wouldn't really fit live action. It has to be animated. So they wow. worked together. They got Joe, Joe Cornish, Edgar Wright, Stephen Moffat, mm-hmm. all these great people. All these Stephen great, Moffat back all these in his great day. British people that uh, American audiences don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> if if you would listen to the show at all, you probably know. Yeah. yeah, then you'd know. All right. All right, my number six. We're getting near the midpoint here, but these are all good. These are all good movies. Ever Uh My number six. Temple of Doom. Made in 2002. <laughs> $132 million domestically, 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's Minority Report. Oh, nice. Not one of people. A lot of yeah. those people downplay this I one. I agree. And the truth is, the first time I saw this movie, I really, it didn't sit well with me. And it wasn't until subsequent viewings, I'm like, this is actually a very smart movie. I love how this movie kind of is set in the future and has futuristic things, but it's not like, wow, look at our cool new technology. It's just like, this is how the world is now. And in fact, Steven Spielberg got together with a kind of a committee 
of uh, scientists and engineers and things like that to kind of figure out kind of a, a realistic future that they could portray. And a lot of the things that are in the movie, like this was made in 2002. Yes. A lot of things like the touch screen and things like that have kind of become reality. And a lot of other things uh, like the, the, the ads that read your faces and retina scans, you know, similar to what they do in there. And the weird humans in the tanks of water. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But those pre-cogs. things are coming to pass. Yeah, like, yeah, pre-cogs. Even yeah. self-driving cars are now becoming much more of reality. When 2002, it was just like, oh, yeah, one day. I so, think this movie disappeared. In fact, this was during my dark ages when I wasn't here in America. <laughs> and so I had to see it later <laughs> on video, ages. actually. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of disappeared in the summer of, like, Spider-Man or even Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the very, almost very start of the superhero boom. Yeah. Back in that day, and Minority Report was just a Tom Cruise blockbuster. And it is. It kind of disappeared. Except for it's smart sci-fi, which I think is, is always fun to watch when it's like, this is an intelligent sci-fi movie. It's an action adventure. By the way, Cruise and Spielberg uh, didn't take any salary up front. Okay. They just agreed to take 15% of the gross. In fact, still Spielberg kind of has a way of doing that, which we'll get to that in other, yes. in other things. But I have some of that information uh, as well. Oh, I have it right there, actually. It's in this one. Huh, there he says. So this is Spielberg saying this. Quote, I haven't worked with many movie stars. 80% of my films don't have movie stars, and I've told them that if they want to work with me, I want them to gamble along with me. I haven't taken a salary in 18 years for a movie. This is when he was making my report. Wow. So if my film makes no money, I get no money. They should be prepared to do the same. That's pretty cool. So That's he's not cool. going to make any money on BFG. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, poor Mark Rylance. Uh, so yeah, and I think that this movie is is underrated, and it also it blew my mind when I found out that uh, Colin uh, Farrell was Irish because yes. he played. This is the first time I saw him in a movie, and then when I heard his accent, I'm like, whoa, you did American so well. But dark movie. Some people criticize the ending because it's not as dark as the rest of the movie, but I think this is a great thriller, and I, I love the contemplation of the precogs, like predicting crimes going to happen, and are people guilty for the crimes they're going to commit instead of the crimes they have committed? I disagree. I actually think the ending is just as dark, if not darker, than the actual movie. If you go, there's a theory out there that goes along that line. And I buy so, into that theory yeah. because it's horrible. Which, oh, I didn't even say. For those of you who haven't seen Minority Report, oh, it's, yeah, about, yeah, it's about a, a government agency that pr- they have people that can predict the future, and so they predict crimes and arrest people before they commit the crime and it's a question of whether that's ethical or moral or not Mm -hmm. so yeah great movie my number six is minority report oh i didn't think we're gonna high five at all in this show (laughs) (laughs) i love this movie okay like i absolutely love it i think it is so unsung it needs to be watched far more than it is i love the six sticks i love the gun that they spin around and shoot people with yes so many fun things in this movie you know how tom cruise is kind of crazy and he always has to do his own stunts or something like that yeah Mm -hmm. Like he was talking to Spielberg and Spielberg apparently was saying, yeah, you need to be underwater for a while in the scene where the spiders come up. (laughs) Yeah. And we need to just create like a CGI bubble from your nose, that sort of thing. And so I'll just make that happen. Tom Cruise is like, no, I can produce. And I watched the scene last night. It's honestly just one tiny air bubble from his nose and it's just one bubble. And that's what the spiders, how they find him. They're little mechanical spiders that will scan your eyes and they know they can kind of identify you. And so he's hiding from them so he can't be found. And by the way, Spielberg said when he designed those, he said... I want a grenade as designed by Porsche. Oh. And that's how they created the spiders. I like that. That's cool. So <laughs> Tom Cruise learned how to stay under pools of water and create one tiny air bubble with his <laughs> nose. And that's what they did for the movie. Well, it's basically and, my job description right now. So. <laughs> I mean, who, who has a work Drowning with one bubble at them. <laughs> Which that prepared him good for Ghost Protocol. So, <laughs> yeah, good call. And then actually in pro- post-production, because, you know, they filmed the movie and I'm sure there were some tricks they could do, but they actually desaturated the film negatives. Meaning for non-film nerds out there. Well, like you look at yeah. the movie, it's almost like blue. Yes. It's almost it's dark blue, film. blue. Yeah. And so they desaturated the entire film reel just to kind of screw it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, they could have added Photoshop and done that, but it was a very like natural process with film. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I love this movie. Great movie. Yeah. All cool. right. Number five. This is actually the lowest rated Steven Spielberg movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Temple of Doom. No. 1991's Hook. Okay. I love Hook. You have to realize this movie came out when I was the age of the Lost Boys. This was perfect timing for me, and I loved this movie. And I still really enjoy this movie. The music is beautiful. The storyline is really compelling to me. And it's interesting how as a kid, I related to the kids, and now as a father, I'm kind of relating to Peter Banning a little more. Mm-hmm. For those of you who haven't seen Hook, which I don't know why you haven't, it's a story, it's, it's like a sequel to Peter Pan. Peter Pan has gone to the real world, he's grown up, and he's forgotten about Neverland. His kids get kidnapped by Captain Hook, who's taken out by Gaston, and then... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> 
muddling stories there. But then he has to go back to Neverland and re- re-find himself. I'm pretty sure Hook kills Gaston. <laughs> the idea alone, I mean, I know sometimes like sequels not created by the original like author mm-hmm. are kind of dumb. Yeah. I think this idea is brilliant. It is. Yeah, and, and it works. Apparently, J.M. Barry was going to create a sequel, but it never quite worked out. But Steven Much Spielberg, like this, do you know? Or um, it was it was just kind of I think it was Peter Pan got older, older okay. Peter Pan or something like that. But sure. But uh, Steven Spielberg in 1985, when he was talking about this, he said, "I'm a victim of Peter Pan syndrome. This is something he wanted to do, but it took a couple more years to actually happen." And once again, Spielberg, Williams, uh, Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman did not take salaries for the film. the The deal called for the trio to split 40 percent from the TriStar Pictures gross revenues, which it made 119 million dollars domestically. It's pretty so, good for even back then. Pretty yeah. good. And it made more. But the thing is, this movie stood up against... I mean, 1991 was the year of Silence of the Lambs, Terminator 2, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Beauty and the Beast. Wow. These iconic films that I think this one kind of got lost in the shuffle. But honestly, for the imaginary food fight alone, this is one of my favorites. Bangarang! Yeah. Oh. Cool. <laughs> now I'm going to start singing Did you know Skrillex. Bangarang is actually Jamaican slang? Is it? Bangarang is Jamaican slang. Uh-huh. Bangarang is Jamaican slang. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it means hubbub, uproar, disorder, or disturbance. Huh. So. There you go. Does that mean this is your number five? Welcome back to Neverland, Pan the Man. Is? Yes. <laughs> I have a feeling we're probably going to have nearly matching top five. That is awesome. In oh. fact, we are going to. Well, it's, I might be a little out of shuffle because I had a hard time. I have to admit, my top shuffled multiple times today. <laughs> today. <laughs> like I had to keep moving. And it probably up will and down. after the show. It, it may. We'll find so out. So, how much do you have to add to this? A book? lot, actually. Steven Spielberg actually regretted making this movie when he did. Did he? He said the kids, the, the Lost Boys, were terrible to work with. And so. He kind of looked at it as like, it didn't, like like I said, the idea is great, but some mm-hmm. of it didn't work out as well. Obviously, critically, it wasn't loved. No, that's the thing. Is this is considered a flop, and yet it did it did pretty well commercially, and it did very it did very well like with a but cult following. Actually, apparently now he says he watches it all the time, and he loves that he made it because of his friendship with Robin Williams. Oh, good. It's actually been since Robin Williams' death that he watches it just with this fondness. And it just, Robin Williams sets the part so well. Yes. Uh, 300 million, 309.9 million worldwide. Uh, Maggie Smith, who plays Wendy, yeah. old Wendy, old lady she, Wendy. She was only fifty six when she made this movie. Wow, she's been Lady Grantham since ninety one, yeah, and they like made her look old. She's been like ninety Pro- forever. I was gonna say props to the makeup department for making her look like exactly like she looks like now. <laughs> it's true, and you know <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow too. Yeah, true story. A couple fun facts: Robin Williams had to shave his upper arms and torso for this yeah. movie. He is he was the hairiest man on the planet. Yes. Like baboon Harry. They, yeah, they had to shave him up a bit. David Bowie turned down the role of Captain Hook, which I think would have been... I mean, Dustin Hoffman was fantastic. Well, he didn't want to do Jareth all over again. Ooh, could you imagine that? Dance, would not be a magic dance. dance. Why would magic he turn down that role? That's crazy. It's, hey, Spielberg, no, I don't want to be in your movie. Well, no, people... Why would I want to be Captain Hook? Is, in my research, it's been interesting to see just how many people have kind of turned down roles for one reason or another. Yeah. And it's just, you know, eh, it doesn't work for him. Go home, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what was that? Was that Jack Skellington? I don't even know, I don't know what that was. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that this movie, and maybe you brought this, we're going to bring this up too, but this movie plays into kind of, it's almost a stereotypical Spielbergian parental-child relationship yes. with the absentee or neglecting father. Because that's in almost every movie of his. Since he had a strained relationship with his father, he kind of portrays that in his movies. I love a director that actually brings his life or lessons he's learned into movies. Mm-hmm. That it's not just like Wes hey, Anderson. Ugh. I'm sorry. How, what lessons? <laughs> no, no, just center everything. <laughs> no, like Michael Make it Pastel. His dad only wrote in yellow font. Right. <laughs> um, but Carrie Fisher actually played a, played a big role in this movie. She helped write some of it. She makes a cameo. She and George Lucas are actually kissing at the end. They're the couple that float and kiss. Carrie Fisher? End. Carrie Fisher and, and George Lucas. They're kissing? Kissing at the very end of the movie. kind of creepy. And she's also the prototype for Tinkerbell. And we got to remember, this is Carrie Fisher then, not yes. Carrie Fisher now. Well, and I have, to admit, I have to admit, this is the movie that ruined <laughs> Julia Roberts. This ruined Julia Roberts for me. Because of the short hair? It's just the way she was what? portrayed as Tinkerbell, Why? I never, like, I didn't, find it, I didn't find it attractive. And so I could never think of her as other than Tinkerbell ever after that. Um, ever do, after. do you hate yeah. short hair? No. It just, it was the way, I don't red, know. Red short hair. The way she did Tinkerbell. What's going on? No. What? You did not think she was cute in that? No. It's Tinkerbell? Yeah. No. That's crazy. Pretty woman. All the way. Also, last fun fact is John Voight, who is friends with Dustin Hoffman. You're not going to talk about Glenn Close dressing up as a pirate and being put in the boo box? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Basically a dude. Yeah. Uh, so John Voight, he's friends with Dustin Hoffman. He brought his kids to the set. They met him. And Angelina Jolie was 16 years old. And okay. she's like, hey, Dustin Hoffman, I want to be an actress someday. And he's like, hmm. 
You got a tough road ahead of you, kid. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Hey, look though. at her now with her amazing acting ability. No, no. She's been famous. She's famous. She's not a good actress. Right. Okay, so that brings us to number four. Let's see number where we match up. Four. All right. Number four, uh, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, $260 million domestic, 1975 Jaws. My number four is Jaws because this movie terrifies me. Like It terrified the world. It Viscerally, this movie gets me, and it's because it could actually happen. And I have psyched myself out so many times in a pool, a chlor- chlorinated pool or freshwater <laughs> lake. A five-foot like, pool. Don't you think there's going to be a shark in there? This is why Ken doesn't go in a toilet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> TMI. That's why I just kind of stand on the seat. <laughs> no, this movie terrified me. And there's so much trivia about this movie that I don't want to go into at all. But it's an amazing movie. And everyone knows the story of you know the shark the animatronic shark, shark doesn't wasn't work. working. Yes. Everyone knows that story and how they had to kind of creatively go around it, but it just shows what a great director he was because this really was his second major film. Mm-hmm. Sugarland Express was number one, which, by the way, is his lowest. What about Duel? Uh, oh, Duel, Duel was, wasn't really major. Duel was a TV, TV right? Movie, okay. Which they ended up releasing as a real movie outside the U.S. But uh, Jaws was one that they gave him a chance and just shows what a great director he is because he had all these problems. He had all these issues. And he did say, I kind of had this, you know, director God complex where I was like, I can conquer the ocean. And he was like, if I could do it again, I would do it in a soundstage. I would do it in a controlled waters with controlled, you know, elements and things like that. But he did such a great job. And in fact, he almost tried to get out of this movie. He uh, started to get reluctant to continue directing this movie because he didn't want to be typecast as, quote, the truck and shark director because Duel did so well. Mm-hmm. But 20th Century Fox and actually said uh, no because of, you know, they exercised their contract and said, no, you're stuck to this. You're not getting out of this movie. This, and thank goodness they did. This was was originally like a 50-day shoot. It mm-hmm. turned into a 159-day shoot. Yes. This was an absolute disaster. He thought his career was over. And it probably should have been. Every one of the crew members called this not Jaws, but they called it Flaws. Yeah, because he said he wasn't even there for the final day of filming because he thought his, his uh, crew members were going to throw him overboard. And in fact, it's kind of become a thing now, apparently. And that's, I was trying to get confirmation of this, but I couldn't. Maybe it's a rumor. But apparently, Spielberg normally isn't there on the Stevie. final day of shooting. <clears throat> yeah, Stevie. <laughs> Correction. Um, Stevie. But yeah, ba- this, is, this is based on a novel. Uh, it, didn't, it doesn't follow the novel very closely, though. They changed a lot of elements to make it more. In fact, it's better than the novel, apparently. Yeah, Peter Benchley doesn't care for the movie yeah, as and, much. And this actually is the first instance of a wide national release backed by heavy television advertising. They really didn't do that before. They would normally kind of let a film kind of build word of mouth and let the critic reviews come out and let people find it in the various cities. This was one of a big release, and this helped create the summer blockbuster. In fact, some say this is the first summer blockbuster. I agree with that. Because winter used to be the time when people would put the bigger movies, and summer was a time when people would be out doing their own thing. And that summer was kind of the dumping ground for movies. So this came oh. out, and it kind of turned into the summer blockbuster. So, Kent, is this your number four? My number four is not Joss. Ooh, what is it then? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Good choice. Is it a good choice? It's a good choice. Okay. So this one came out in 1989. And if anyone hasn't seen this one, this is the third of the Indiana Jones trilogy. The last of the Indiana the, Jones. The, the final <laughs> Indiana Jones movie. Yes. Uh, some fun facts. John, Sean, John, Sean, Shawnee. Shawnee. Shawnee Connery. Shawnee Connery. He was only 58 years old when he filmed this movie. Wow. Just 12 years older than Harrison Ford. He had him when he was 12? Yeah. It, <laughs> that well, is weird. Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's always been a ladies' James man. Bond. Ladies' boy. Junior. <laughs> uh, this is Steven Spielberg's, this is Stevie's favorite indie movie. It's a very, very good one. Like, basically, when he started filming, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, he wanted it to be, like, an adaptation of the fun serials that he'd, all, that he'd seen in From the 30s to and 40s. When he was a kid. Yeah. And then he, it hit big, and it was actually surprised him. And so then he made Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. and he actually said that there are two reasons for making this movie. Number one, it's in my contract. Right. Number two, I want, I want to atone for the criticism of Temple of Doom. Yep. And, and he, he said that. He said Temple of Doom is kind of a dark place, and this was kind of to make up for it. Also, Harrison Ford chose River Phoenix to play this role. They worked together in Mosquito Coast. Yep. And so he's like, this kid's kind of like me. <laughs> and doing the finger, ge- the finger gesture. I and, think he is. And, and River Phoenix, very good actor at the time. He's like, I'm not going to watch Indiana Jones. I'm just going to try to be a young Harrison Ford. Yeah. And I, I wish that kind of continued in a way. I, yeah. I thought River it Phoenix did in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Not with River Phoenix. <laughs> no, it didn't. Because he actually uh, approached him to do the, but he, he didn't want to no. do TV. Well, it's probably, you know, well, it's yeah. TV. doesn't matter. Who wants to do TV? <laughs> But this is such a cool movie. I think it all comes together for a great conclusion where we never have to see another Indiana Jones movie again. 
the whole thing with the Holy Grail, it gets back to the Christian religious artifacts. Which that's what you like. Which is the best part of Indiana Jones. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, no, that's a great that's a great pick. We're into our top three. Yes. All right. Are you ready for the top three? I am ready. My number three, 96% of Rotten Tomatoes, $248 million domestically released in 1981. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, some of you are saying, what? Raiders of the Lost Ark? That's his greatest movie. It's pretty good. It's very, very good. It's, it, it created a whole genre and you created put a hero. Did it bit? But I will admit, there are some moments when it kind of lags a bit. And when? I, I only say that I'm, I'm justifying oh, the boat when they're on the boat and they're doing the whole kissing scene. That was always boring as a kid. Or before the monkey dies. I, mean, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Before, bad dates. Bad dates. Before the monkey dies, there's a, there's a whole slow area in there. But this is a great movie. I'm, I'm only saying those negatives so you won't kill me for not putting it as my number one. But uh, this is a George Lucas idea, which he pitched to uh, – actually, George Lucas made Star Wars, ran away to Hawaii because he was worried it was going to flop. He's, and Star Sp- Wars is going to flop? Yeah, and Spielberg was there uh, vacationing after creating Jaws. Uh, and so they – was it Jaws? I can't remember what it was. Anyway, they, Well, they kind of worked together on Jaws as well. Yeah, but they, they, were hang, they were hanging out, and he said, hey, I have – I want and I think it was uh, – Spielberg said, I want to create a Bond movie. And Lucas said, let me one-up you. I got an even better idea. And he's pitched Indiana Jones. What? That's how Indiana Jones That's came cool. to be. Oh, and it was George be, Lucas back then. Can we have you back? He, he's a great idea, man. He's such a as good idea, As long as someone man. else is directing. Absolutely. But have him just tell stories to people and have them make the movies. Well, and Spielberg actually wanted a darker version of Jones. He wanted him to be kind of alcoholic, like a Humphrey Bogart in uh, oh, okay. uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre kind of character. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's – it's just funny to me how, and Tom Selleck was actually attached to play yes. Indiana Jones at first, which would have been a completely different movie. Uh, what this, do you mean, uh, that mustache alone? Yeah. <laughs> Sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so what it would have been actually. the show. <laughs> when Raiders of the Lost Ark, because, okay, the face-melting scene, we all know. Yes. Which, for those of you who've never seen the movie, they find the Holy Grail, they open it up, people's faces melt off, like literally melt off. That terrified me. I cried. So I did cry this one, because it scared me Wait, so you bad. you cried? Yeah, oh yeah, it scared me so bad as a kid. But it actually got an R rating from yes. the MPAA, and they said, this is going to be R rated. And then they said, well, how about if we put like a fire uh, filter over it, like so they had a kind of a fire graphic go over his face when it exploded. And they said, okay, now it's just PG. Isn't that weird? <laughs> That's so weird. If we have it kind That's of sh- shaded out. Yeah, if we kind of blur it a bit, which the melting didn't bother, it was when the head exploded. But yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981. Fantastic film. Also, uh, Nick Nolte, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, and Chevy Chase were considered for the role. Such a different movie. That is Steve some random Martin. <laughs> wow. Chevy Chase. <laughs> I mean, who went on to make Fletch, which was fantastic, and but it's just, it's not a comedic role. It has to have that dry wit that Harrison Ford has. Harrison Ford seems like the luckiest man on the planet, honestly, yeah. because like Star Wars, wasn't he like a janitor or something? Carpenter. Carpenter. He was, a, he was a carpenter previous to that, and then he worked on American Graffiti, so he, he was in movies before that. Okay. But he kind of was doing carpentry and stuff like that, and then said, eh, I'll give this a That's shot. That's why he picked that cup in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The carpenter's cup. Yeah. <laughs> but it, he was cast three weeks before uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark started. Mm-hmm. Three weeks in there, all, and filming. Yep. Like, luckiest guy ever. Wow. Yeah. And those are his two iconic roles, uh, two of the most iconic dysentery. roles. Dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> and dysentery. Well, during Raiders of the Lost Ark, they all got sick. Really? And uh, that's you know, it's the famous Bad scene. Dates? It's the famous scene when the guy comes up with a sword What's and starts wi- waving it around. Have you guys not heard this? Oh, I know that scene, but I yeah. didn't know about the dysentery. No, that he, yeah, got. that doesn't seem like a dysentery scene at all. Isn't that just uh, the, the gun they, scene? No, they, they had choreographed a whole fight scene with him and the swordsman. And they right. were going to the whip and the fight and all this different stuff. Harrison Ford was sick as a dog on the day of the shoot. And they said, and then one of the guys, I think uh, one of the cinematographer or someone just said, why doesn't he just shoot him? And Spielberg was like, yes. So then he was, if you look, he's sweating, he looks terrible, he just pulls out a gun, shoots the swordsman, and they moved on with the scene. It's, it's one of the greatest movies, moments in the movie, and it's because Harrison Ford was sick with dysentery. Wow. Okay, huh. my number three. Superman? <laughs> yeah, it's Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Those John Williams scores, they always kind of gel together. Yeah. Jurassic Park is Steven Spielberg's third best movie. Okay. This really hurt. In fact, today I was going between three and two and it's just cycling so through. I, I'm okay with any of these in the top, but. I just, I, everyone's seen Jurassic Park. It still holds up. For some reason, it produced three lousy sequels. One sequel. One sequel? Lost World. That's all. It's, it's that's Jurassic all that Park, exists? Lost World. Or Everything maybe like the first around. 30 minutes of the Lost World. Which that's, that's the weird part about it is the book uh, Jurassic Park has a lot of elements that were used in Lost World yes. in Jurassic Park 3, but they chose not to use them in the first one, which is fine. But then they kind of scatter them to the other movies. Yeah, exactly. Fun facts. 15 minutes of dinosaur footage were shown in the movie, which is crazy. Only wow. 15 minutes? Only 15 minutes. Wait. 
isn't the raptor scene alone 15 minutes? No, because they they shade, I mean, they basically, it's like Jaws. Okay. There's so much left unseen, and to your imagination, the dinosaurs are only seen for 15 minutes. Okay. And then six of those are CGI, nine are animatronics, which the animatronics in this movie are just so fantastic. It's, it, the Make this is, movie what it is. This is exactly what CGI should do, is enhance animatronics and puppetry. Yes. Because you have the puppetry, you have the CGI, you put them together, and it makes you feel like dinosaurs are real. Um, Spielberg, you know, he did one of his back-end deals. He made $250 million from the back end of this movie. That's all? The, the 250 million. <laughs> yeah, I guess. If you, if that, no, if remember, this is 90s money. <laughs> this is 90s millions. Ooh. It made a billion dollars back then. It was the number one movie for a long on time. Pogs. <laughs> in the 90s. What kind of master did you get? Oh. Anyways, uh, just oh, last fun fact, the glass in the T-Rex scene wasn't meant to break. Right. So those screams that the kids are doing, those are real screams. Because the screen, because the glass fell down on the top of them. the animatronic giant T-Rex <laughs> was smashing down on them. Yeah. Anyways, number two. My number two is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. 1989. 88% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is the lower rated one of the Indiana Jones, oddly enough, out of the three I put on here. But, man, Last Crusade is so much fun. And you already talked about a lot of it. Uh, They they actually were going to make this one originally a haunted house, a haunted mansion movie George Lucas wanted to. And they were going to go to Mozambique, and they were going to call it Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. It was going to be... That will probably be number five, let's be honest. It was going to be Fountain of Youth. Like, it was all this whole thing. But then Spielberg kind of worked it and said, no, I want the father angle here. Let's bring the father in. And then they made Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, which was so much fun. So good. So much fun. And actually, uh, Spielberg... Uh, he he actually helped create, and I found this out because the scouting thing, uh, Young Indiana Jones is a Boy yeah. Scout. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Spielberg is an Eagle Scout, and he actually worked to create the cinematography merit badge for Boy Scouts. Really? He was the one who kind of instigated that, and I was That's like, cool. oh, great job. So I'm, Eagle, I'm an Eagle Scout, too. Last Crusade, my number two. All right. My number okay. two is Jaws. Wow, okay. Yeah, this would be Jaws and Jurassic Park kind of switched. Yeah. Basically, every time I thought about it. In so fact, good. it might be switching right now. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> Jaws is such a fantastic movie because of what is left unseen. And this was, it was kind of a victim of circumstance. They wanted to use the shark more. The studio wanted the shark more. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't do it because the shark wouldn't work. And so Spielberg decided to say, what do people know? People don't, haven't been attacked by shark, but people have been in the water and people are afraid of what's underneath the water. So we're going to go with that. In fact, 25% of the movie is shot from water depth. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. It's insane. I mean, just that fear, just being oh, there in the water. My palms are sweating just now just thinking about it. Oh, uh, I mean, the music, those two notes, that's all Did you need him. to fill this fear. And that's why I love this movie so much Did and even him. rate it higher than Jurassic dun, Park, dun, which dun, I watched dun, seven dun, times dun, in the dun, theater dun, when it dun, first dun, came dun, out. Dun, dun, dun. I'm listening. I keep going. That's no, fine. <laughs> this movie makes me feel so much stress. Yep. Uh, and it's it's not a perfect movie, but this fir- this almost first-time director... Creating something out of a mistake. This movie should have been a bomb, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It was well, the first major blockbuster. And a lot of people think of it as just the shark, but there's so much character development in there, too. And like with the mayor and, and the father and son thing, like it really is a, just a good film all around. Yeah. Str- and, and Robert Shaw, he was this raging alcoholic. <clears throat> yeah. Very, very hard to work with. He and Richard Dreyfus hated each other. They did. And when they were filming he's, the. He's Quint in the, yes, in the Quint. movie. Yeah. They were filming the Indianapolis explanation scene, mm-hmm. and he just ruined it. He was so drunk that he ruined the scene. Spielberg was really upset. This guy thought about it overnight. He felt really, really bad about being drunk, and so he called Spielberg. He said, tomorrow morning, let's meet up for that scene. He did the scene in one take, and it's that terrifying scene. With the The scariest scene in the movie, actually. And it's just a story. Black doll's eyes. I love Joss. What's your number one? My number one is... Catch me if you can. No, it's not. It's not. It's we haven't not. mentioned Catch Me If You Can. No, actually. no, let's think. Yeah, where's that been? I was going to say before terminal. I get into what the terminal what my number one is. <laughs> is it the terminal, yeah. <laughs> middle of the road, war horse. Uh, I did want to before I get to my number one. I want to say my least favorites. Believe it or not, I don't like Close Encounters of the Third Kind that much. I don't care for it. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie I didn't like that much. Lost World, Catch Me If You Can, Indiana Jones, Crystal the King with the Crystal Skull, Lincoln, and War Horse. Even All, Lincoln. Lincoln was one of those that I spent. I felt the whole movie was just zooming in on Daniel D. Lewis's face as he monologued, and then other people would nod, and that was the entire movie. Yeah. So wasn't Pre- a big fan of that one. Pretty good sequel to Hope My Father in Law like Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. But those are the ones I didn't choose. My number one is 1993 with a 93% Jurassic Park. I love Jurassic Park. My I was in eighth grade when this movie came out. And our eighth grade science department, well, like the science department of the school, rented out a theater. We had to sign parental forms because it was PG 13. And we had we were able to all go see this together as a science class. And oh, I remember so ha- cool. I remember huddling my knees to my chest because I was so freaked out during the Raptors scene. It was so good. And this made me believe that dinosaurs could be real. 
That's it's crazy. Amazing. School was able to do that. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. And it was the highest grossing movie. It was a science department. They said, hey, it's science. There's mosquitoes and DNA. And yeah. <laughs> but uh, highest grossing film ever at the time until Titanic came out. Uh, uh, despite the title of the film, Brachiosaurus and Dilophosaurus are the only dinosaurs that actually lived during the Jurassic period. The other species did not exist until the Cretaceous period, which some people are mad about. Are but you I, done? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then people, people were complaining about the, 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 about the raptor being too big, and yes. then they discovered the Utah raptor, which was that size. And right were, after this movie came out. And they out. were kind of like, well, we made it, and then they discovered it. Yes. But no, this is a great movie. I love this movie. I think it's amazing. I think it's so well done. Great character development. My number one pick, Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Didn't say the magic word. Hold on to your butts, because my number one <laughs> is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Great pick. This is quintessential Indiana Jones. This is the adventurer for our time. And this movie has everything. The iconic boulder chasing him. Yeah. Which <sighs> the guy that made Just, the boulder, Spielberg yeah. was like, I love it. Let's use it more. And so they added more boulder scenes. More boulder. <laughs> more boulder. <laughs> more cowbell. <laughs> uh, George Lucas came up with the story, like you said. He yep. actually owns almost half of the profits of this movie. Yeah. The, uh, Spielberg and Lucas are geniuses when they're, it comes to that. They make a great team when they're not doing Crystal Skull. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's not talk about that, though. They're actually, they're actually maybe working together on the new one, which I hope... I don't know. No, it's, <laughs> no they need to, it's a trilogy. They need to stop. Yeah. Well, they're going to make another one. You know that, right? Yeah. And they, need to, they, they, they shouldn't. Uh, so a couple fun facts. We've already you know, talked about this one quite a bit. The sound of the arc opening is actually the sound of a toilet lid being slid off. Yep. So, you know, like when you really? lift it, when it's like the water keeps going, it's yeah. like you just slide it like that. It has that really grating noise. Yeah. That's the sound of the arc. So next time you open your toilet and do that, just... Kind of slide it like that. I really don't slide. And try not to much. have your face melt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> face melting in the bathroom, always a bad thing. Sad fact about this movie. Michael Bay worked on the storyboard boarding for this movie. What? Yeah, Michael Bay. This is one of his first movies. The Michael movies. Bay. The Michael Bay. Don't call him the <laughs> Michael Bay. <laughs> he worked on the storyboards, and this movie inspired him to be a director. Oh, I like so how, that's your this sad is still fact. your number one. <laughs> I like that's your sad fact. I was like, oh no, what happened on set? Who died? That's 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 yeah. it. That should take it off your list entirely. <laughs> right, yeah. Probably. No, great choice. Great I choice. love this movie. I think it is is kind of perfect. The nostalgia factor is there, and it's so much fun. I think his le- my least favorite Spielberg movie is The Terminal. Okay. I will. I've seen it once. I'll never watch it again. Basically, it's if these movies come on cable or Netflix. What if you the, were stuck in an airport and couldn't get out? Would you watch it? Oh, I'd rather be dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. It's the worst. Can you do me a favor? Just run through your top three again. So my top three are Jurassic Park, Jaws, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And mine's Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Last Crusade, and Jurassic Park. Okay, so you have which, two Indiana Jones in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you had, you had all three Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones movies. But Jaws was four, and so it was like yes. those ones were so hard to pick. Oh, man. I totally agree. Great movies. And I love that if you haven't seen any of these movies that we've discussed in our top 10, please, please go check them out. And I need to say something about AI real quick. All right. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it because I got warned against it. It was a black hole movie. I was in I hope there's a fan edit out there that cuts it down to like a manageable length Mm -hmm. because the idea, it's it's like a futuristic Pinocchio story. Mm -hmm. And in, in the idea of it, it's beautiful. But the execution's execution's almost terrible. I've seen the ending. And I, I've seen the ending of this movie, and it really kind of put a sour taste. There's in my some mouth. beauty to the ending until yeah. he meets the aliens and falls asleep for like a millennia. <laughs> because when he meets the blue fairy, spoiler alert, or right. meets the blue fairy, when he sees the blue fairy. It, it's it's kind of magical, in fact, because it's it's a boy who's just looking for a home, looking for someone to love. It's Pinocchio. It's Pinocchio, and it, it should have been one of the greats. But wow, I, and I plan it didn't on watching it one day. I just it's in my queue. Don't don't, don't plan on that. No, I want to because. Eh. I, I have to see why people dislike it so much. Yeah. And Jude Law. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, if you want to find me, you can find... Thank you, thank you for listening, by the way. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter. Or you can find me at Quick Wits. They perform every Saturday evening at 10 o'clock at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quick Wits Facebook page. Micro Machines. Micro Machines. If you want to find me on Twitter and Instagram, go to at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my reviews, go to ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you want to see my movie reviews on TV... Watch KJS Channel 14 on Fridays at 8.30. Nice. So, listener, if you want to see any other lists from other directors or anyone, let us know. What's no. your top three? Go. Top three is AI for sure. And then, <laughs> Stop it. No, that's the worst one ever. Uh, no, probably probably Jaws and then Jurassic Park and then Hook. Oh, wow. Really? Hook, high. Yeah. That's still good choices. Yeah. Seriously, give us your top ten let us, or your top three, whatever you feel most comfortable with. Top let seven. us know on our <laughs> Facebook page or on Twitter or at BaconCell.com. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers. So until next time, this has been Bacon.
Bacon. Bacon, 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 salad, bacon, salad, bacon, salad, bacon, 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 salad, bacon, salad. Whoa! Bacon cell just turned on. You didn't ask for it, but we gave it to you anyway. I just watched that in the morning, like right after breakfast, just to get me going for the day. And now I feel like he's in the grandpa phase. But if you love fart jokes, go watch it. <laughs> E.T. is not male or female. It's a plant-like creature. He's plant? Yeah. He's a plant? Apparently. Plant-like. Obviously. Beware <laughs> of your surroundings. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's and every true. kid in America wet their pants. That crap sounds weird. Probably worth watching right there. You know how Tom Cruise is kind of crazy? It terrified me as a kid. It's so scary. Like, that's all you need for crying. Would- they call him Dr. Jones doll. Uh, if you're listening, Mr. Lucas or Mr. Spielberg, please don't sue us for that libel. Does that make sense? I don't know if it did. Sort of. Hey, kids, let's watch Schindler's Lit tonight. The world is terrible. I hate this place. Could have said more. <laughs> Woo! Face melting in the bathroom, always a bad thing. Whatever you feel most comfortable with. This is why a kid doesn't go on a toilet anymore. This kid's kind of like me. (laughs) Well, most of my kids are alcoholic. Go home, Jack. I'd rather be dead. Bangarang is Jamaican slang. Bangarang is Jamaican slang. Bangarang is Jamaican slang. I'll be right here.